Hey, thanks for listening to the podcast today. I hope you enjoy it. But first, I want to ask you a question. Are you someone who has high upside potential in your business and yet sometimes that goal is just hard to get to and maybe the only way you've seen to get to it is just to make more calls, you know, work harder? Well, if you're fed up with using old strategies to solve new problems, then I might have a solution. It's my five-day million-dollar seller challenge. We meet one hour a day in a coaching intensive where I will teach you five moves that you can make to scale your results without working harder. To learn more, click the link in the show notes or go to milliondollarsellerchallenge.com. I have no idea why, but I'm always reminded on the 4th of July about the Music Man. So I love 76 trombones. I love the Music Man. It's a great musical. I know that dates me as 1966, but the music still holds up. And I thought it would be appropriate as we head into the July 3rd and 4th long weekend uh, to just remind you of what a little what a little street fair, a little, um, little marching band was all about. Are you ready? Then brace yourself. Let's go. It's time for the Bill Kasky Podcast, a weekly show carefully crafted to help you grow your skills and your results in business. Now, here's your host, Bill Kasky. Bill Kasky here. Welcome back to the Bill Kasky Podcast. Today's episode, since it's the 4th of July weekend, I thought it would be good to reach back into the archives and find three clips, about 12 minutes worth, of what were our most popular episodes so far. So in order, uh, we're going to talk about uh, selling a premium from March of 17, episode 32, closing the sale, March or May of 17, episode 40, and a more recent one, the seven elements of the perfect sales process in May of this year, episode 122. So I've taken three or four clips from those. And for those uh, in our United States audience and who celebrate July 4th weekend, I hope you have a great long weekend. And uh, those of us who live in this country are blessed to live in it. Yes, we have our issues. Yes, we have our virtues. And as long as we keep trying to work on them, I think we get better and better. But we're all blessed to be Americans, those of us that are. And I just wanted to wish all of you a happy 4th of July. And I want you to think about your thinking a little bit today. Instead, what we do, and see if you've had this happen in a, in a sales meeting recently, we, we resort to and default to, well, what do we need to say to get the business? What do we need to say to get the customer to, to say yes and to follow us and close the deal? And here we are. Oh, my gosh, it's, it's March the 15th. The end of the month is quickly appearing in front of us. What do we need to say to close the business? And I say, stop with that. That's not helping any. What I want you to do instead is start thinking about how you're thinking. What is your state of mind when you first start talking with a potential client? If you're going to be positioned properly, your state of mind matters. Here's three states of mind that I think you should be in. Number one, I think you should be thinking abundantly. I think you should be looking at your market and say, my goodness, if everybody raised their hand today and wanted to buy from me, I don't have the time. I just don't have the time. You have to see your market as a place of 
unlimited possibilities. Maybe not infinite, because if you have a geography or you have the world, there's still a limited number of people in it. But I want you to think abundantly. That's one way to change your state of mind versus scarcity. The second thing is I want you to think about detachment. Detachment is the ability you have to not be as interested in selling the product as your customer is in getting their problem solved. See, detachment is like a spectrum, and your customer is, should be attached to getting their problem solved. You should not be attached to making the sale. The third state of mind I want you to have is this idea of high intention, high intent. What is your intent when you first start talking to a prospect? Is it to sell them something? I hope not. Hope it's to help them discover whether they even have a problem or not. And we're going to get into the solution there a little bit too. So what are the solutions or what are the problems? Number one, you got to get out of convince and persuade mode. Just get out of that. I know you'll go to sales training. If you don't come to mine, you'll go to somebody else's and, and the whole vein of thinking will be about convince and persuade. And just tell them they don't know what they're talking about. Tune into Facebook Live. Second thing is, um, Whoops, I'm giving you the solution here. Second thing is um, that you've got to position yourself properly, and the third thing is you've got to think about your thinking. And if you can change your thinking, good things happen. So let's talk about the solutions here. Solution number one is I want you to get clear on your position. Like this. We were going to opt for this massive uh, big screen, but we just decided to print these slides instead. Probably one will be upside down in the next few minutes. So whenever there's a lag in the decision. There are several things it could be. It could be that you're not talking to the right person and that person's having to take this proposal or this recommendation to another level or to a, a board, which we talked about on the first, the first part of this Q&A call, is I want you to be excuse me, in front of them with them. I want you to be in the moment and in the process. So that's number one. Number two, what's the penalty they pay to delay. The penalty they pay to delay. What do they pay? Do they pay any price to delay? Most of the time, the answer is no, they pay no price. You pay a price because you don't get the sale, but that your, your needs are irrelevant in this. Totally irrelevant. Doesn't matter if it's the end of the month, the end of the quarter, you need the business, you've got a pipeline to fill, you've got a target, if you hit this, you get your quota and get an extra 20 grand, does not matter, don't bring that into the conversation, it should be the furthest thing from your mind. The question is, what price do they pay not buying? If you can't answer that question, they can't answer that question. So I would go back to your circumstances that you have, and maybe if you have three or four of these, Chris, that are currently in process, but they're just not moving, I would go back and restart it. And I would call them back and say, look, I, don't, I, I know that you're not making a decision. I presume that you've either tabled this or you've decided not to do anything. And I want to apologize because I have let you down. I've let you down by not getting to the real issue because I know that if there was a real compelling reason for you to do this and make a decision, you would have done it. And I am so sorry that, I've, uh, that I've, I was lax. I let you down. And if they let you start over, then you don't leave there until you understand exactly what the cost of the problem is and what they deem the cost of the solution, the cost of the, the benefit of the solution to be. So if you're calling on somebody that has a, a nuisance problem, yeah, you know, it'd be, it'd be nice if we had more sales, but, uh, you know, not really that interested. We're doing pretty well. But yeah, you can go ahead and send me a quote. Well, I'm not going to send that person a quote. They're not, going, they're not compelled at all to buy. So you've got, to re, you've got to understand and check out your own process and say, is there anything in my process that's designed 
to help them see what they're going to be, what price they're going to be paying by not making a decision. And I'm not talking about this cost you $500 a day. I'm not talking about contrived things like that. I just want them to be as engaged about the decision and making it as you are about getting it. There, there is a triggering event. There's something that occurs. Maybe they're talking with a colleague in the business and they give voice to some kind of pain they have. And the colleague says, you know, you ought to call Bill Kasky or you ought to call Bob, Bobby Smith or you, you got to here, here's a, here's a name. So there's a triggering event. There's a conversation or there's a triggering event because they run across a LinkedIn page or an article that you did or a podcast you did or a video that you did, and it hits them, and it speaks directly to them at the time that they need it to speak to them. So there's a triggering event, number one. Number two, they take that triggering event and they seek or search. They go on a seek seek and, dis- and find mission. I almost said seek and destroy. Hopefully not. A seek and find mission. They may they may Google you. They may you know maybe they see an article by somebody else in a national media that talks about something that you do, and then they reach out to a friend and say, "Hey, do you know anything about this? Do you know anybody here locally that does this?" So they begin a searching process. Google is the obvious place that begins, but it doesn't have to be there. In fact, if you're on LinkedIn and you have some articles on LinkedIn, they will show up on Google. It's one of the hidden secrets of why you should be publishing articles on LinkedIn. Articles about your business, articles with keywords in them, articles that are titled the way people search. That's exactly how to get on Google is just to go through LinkedIn with good articles, good solid ones. So anyway, the point is that they seek and they search. And they're, they're on a mission to find at least some alternatives. Maybe not you. They may not be searching on you, but they're looking for information that will help them. Number three, they find and they invite. There, there's an invitation to come in or to have a conversation that they make to you. So they're inviting you into their sphere after they find you. I had a call here about a month ago, young man who runs a company, he's got, uh, I think, 10, 12 salespeople, and he listens to this podcast. In fact, he might be listening now. Hey there. Uh, and he listened has listened to it for the last few months, and something triggered him in one of the episodes, I think it was the episode on high intense selling, and he called me and said, we want to talk to you about coming in and working with our group. And we are starting uh, here in about a month working with his team on a remote basis. So that's an example of something triggered him. He reached out to me and invited me into the conversation that he was having internally. There was an invitation. He didn't technically invite me into his office because it was all done remote. But the invitation was there to come in, come in, Bill, or come in, Mr. or Miss Vendor, to my my sphere of influence, and I want to share with you what's happening. Number four, there was a revelation. There was a reveal. He, he or she revealed the problems they were having, the circumstances they had, the dilemmas that were happening in their world. Remember, this is not about you pitching. I, I don't have you pitching anywhere in here until maybe step number five. But they 
reveal to you their issues and their dilemmas and what they're fighting against and the enemy that they have in in place that they're trying to combat. And it may not be an enemy of another competitor. It may be the enemy of complacency or the enemy of lack of commitment, or maybe their sales team is not where they need to be, whatever it is. There's a revelation. Now, one tip here is that you've got to make it okay for them to reveal If you make it impossible for them to tell you the truth and go deep about what's happening in their practice or business, they won't do it. And then you'll come back to the office and you'll blame them. You'll say, well, you know what? They never really told me much and they didn't give me all the pieces of the puzzle. I had to kind of make this up as I go. No, it's up to you. It's up to you to create the environment and the conditions where they explain to you, tell you deep down what their issues are. Number five. After they invite you in, after they reveal, you go back and you think about it and you play around with some options and maybe you tell them on that meeting, look, let me go think about it a little bit. I'll come back with some recommendations. So step five is the recommendation phase where you are taking into account their circumstances, their dilemma, and you're recommending to them. Then there's engagement. Step six is just we're in business. We engage. We're, we're in. There's not a long, protracted proposal process and all that. And I know for some of you, yeah, you're going to have to do a proposal and it's got to go through legal and there's got to be some some contract contractual things that have to go on and, and you have to get through. That's fine. But then there's engagement. And step seven is there, there's a, a co-appreciation. And I think we forget about this sometimes. You might say, well, this is not really a business development thing, step number seven, but we appreciate each other. Things grow in value when they are appreciated. That's the very definition of appreciate is it it builds in value, it grows. And I think we need to appreciate our clients more. And I think our clients also should appreciate us more. It's a, it's a commingling of appreciation which makes the whole thing work. If you want more Caskey, go to BillCaskey.com and you can get on his list or set up a time to speak live. And make sure you share this episode with your tribe too. 